and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 136. I'm Kip Clark, and joining me today in the studio, we have another guest, Chandler Davis. Hi there. And so today we're going to be talking about the idea of the friend zone, which some listeners might not fully understand or might have their own ideas and definitions about. So to begin, how would you define it? Well, for one thing, I'm not certain that I believe that it exists. It's something that usually guys will say that women put them in, as in, I would like to maybe have a relationship with this woman and she has decided to put me in the friend zone. She has decided that we are just friends. And the reason why the friend zone is kind of a problem or why I believe it doesn't exist rather is that it kind of perpetuates the idea that the only thing that women have to offer is some kind of sexual currency. And I think the reason why it is a term that's important to discuss is it's something that is very frequently up to debate because people often think that it's a very innocent sentiment, as in like, I really like this person, but they only see me as a friend. But I think that when it gets to discussing it as the friend zone, as that term, that's when it can be problematic. I agree with you. I think there are a lot of issues with the friend zone and we'll definitely discuss them in this conversation. But as another question to you, I'm curious to know, have you witnessed or experienced any examples of it that are particularly prominent in your mind? Well, I've certainly been in a situation in which a friend of mine expressed feelings for me. I would like to think that they didn't say to their friends, like, she put me in the friend zone. Oh, she is an awful person for doing that. But of course, I hear it most from other people. It's something like when I was growing up, I had a lot of guy friends and they would say, I like this girl. Why is she following for some jerk and not for me, the nice guy? And the term kind of the nice guy has also become something that pops up a lot when it comes to the friend zone discussion. And I also have a problem with that because it kind of assumes a certain checklist that a guy needs to go through. As in, I was so nice to her. I listened to her when this guy was such a jerk. Why is it that she won't endure a romantic relationship with me or some kind of sexual relationship with me? But the problem with even seeing yourself as that is you see yourself as a checklist for one thing, which is not awesome. You assume that women have a checklist for this is the guy that I'm going to have sex with and this guy that is going to be in the friend zone. That also assumes that women see themselves as sexual currency, that there are people they will have sex with and then there are people that they will not. And it's just not a super fair way to look at people or to look at yourself. Absolutely. And I think one of the very complex things about being human is that you are not simply the individual. People will tell you how they see you, what they think of you. And so we can, in very problematic ways, be reconstructed by what other people tell us we are or suggest that we are. And I think there are various examples of women coming to see themselves as men have told them they are meant to be seen or meant to exist, which perpetuates certain issues. And I'm not trying to blame any one party squarely, but it does become a very complex issue. And I love what you said about seeing oneself as a checklist because it is a very unhealthy mode of thinking. It breaks you down into discrete components. And I think people are very fluid and ever-changing beings. And furthermore, it makes you more of a product than a process or a living person, which isn't fair to anyone, regardless of sex or gender. And of course, we are talking in relatively heteronormative terms, which we're both aware of. But with reference to the friend zone, one of the things that bothers me the most, and there are various components of this that are extremely problematic, is the idea, this implied hierarchy, which I think exists outside of the friend zone, that romance is greater than friendship. 
and that you are quote-unquote just a friend, which not only suggests that your friendship isn't good enough, but that friendship itself is something lesser than, which deeply bothers me because I believe in platonic friendships, and many of my friends who are women have taught me far more than I think I would learn were I to only befriend men. How do you think the friend zone affects ways we may or may not form platonic friendships with people of the opposite sex? Well, I think it automatically assumes that the only thing that women really have to offer is, like I said, their sexual currency. And that when that is your end goal, when you are trying to get to that, then you lose a lot of what you could learn from them. You lose a lot about what a friendship can offer and what they as a person can offer. Because if romance really is the end game, I think sometimes you can get distracted and not kind of see them as what they are, but rather as some kind of development in your own plot. It's like this person is here to change me or this person is here to save me from loneliness or something like that. And it's not fair to see someone as just that object or that kind of prize because you're not understanding them as a whole being. And I think that can really perpetuate a really sexist idea without you even realizing it. My question to you is, what do you think in our culture continues to establish the friend zone as a thing, as an epidemic, you know, as something that occurs? Well, one thing that I think is key, which we've often talked about in other episodes of this show, is the influence that the media has on not only our lives, and I fear there's a very dystopian view of the media there, but on the way we perceive other people in a very seemingly innocent kind of way, because the media is rarely overt in those messages. And I would contend that we have a circular relationship with it in that those who produce the media may not even be thinking about their biases. They're simply offering a portrayal that to them seems legitimate. And as it relates to the friend zone, I think it's very problematic that in films, in TV, in poetry, going hundreds of years back, there are very few depictions, again, using a heteronormative and binary example, of men and women as friends. And I'm not saying just friends, because I disagree with that hierarchical sentiment, but there's always the romantic interest And she, because of the way we portray male heroes most of the time, is pursued by said male protagonist and does not seem to have much of a choice as to whether or not she will or won't be romantically involved. It is his choice. And even in less dramatic settings of, let's say, an action movie, in sitcoms, there are very frequently female characters who may begin as friends to male characters, but eventually either romance develops or is briefly tried out before the characters decide it's not for them. And again, touching back on this idea of women as sexual or romantic objects, I think it presumes a linearity of sorts, that if I, as a heterosexual male, know a woman long enough, eventually we will be involved in some capacity in a romantic or sexual relationship, which is not accurate. But to explain the behavior of men, let's say, who believe in the friend zone, I think it is in many ways uncomfortably understandable because they see media and other depictions that tell them this is how the world is. And I'm not defending that behavior because I think it's something which should be corrected. But there are various ways to approach that, both in conversations, altering the media that shows, I think, fragmented and unhealthy relationships, and encouraging people, men, I think mostly in this case, to be more empathetic. I would ask you the same question. 
Yeah, I really agree with that. I have certain issues with the way that the media portrays women, and I'm sure that there are a lot of people who feel the same way. And I think that has such an astounding influence on us. I know growing up, so frequently women are portrayed as objects. And a couple of examples I have of that are usually for the hero quest kind of trope. Women at the end are the treasure to be obtained. They're the present that you get for being a good guy or something like that, which is similar to what we were talking about with the nice guy. Like if I check these boxes, if I go on this quest, if I do these certain things, and at the end, certainly I will get the girl. Not taking into account whether the girl wants to be with you or not. Another one that has emerged sort of recently is the manic pixie dream girl kind of stereotype. That was a term coined by Nathan Rabin. And he was talking about Elizabethtown, and I think it was Kristen Dunst in that movie. And other ones include Natalie Portman in Garden State or Zoe Deschanel in 500 Days of Summer. And the issue with that is that, A, it's from the male perspective. And so frequently, these women are very simplified to have their only defining characteristic being like whimsy. And it's just not giving a really full perspective of them as humans and rather their plot devices. So they come in and save the sad boy and then they usually leave because they're so whimsical, etc. But in the end, he's a better person. And so it again gives the idea that women are just plot devices and are there for the men's character development as opposed to having their own development. And I understand why this trope exists because I understand that even in literature, etc., it's so easy to simplify these people that come in and are really are supposed to be plot devices because it's not supposed to be their story. But because so frequently it is the man's story and then everyone thinks that women are really only there to help further the man's story. So that's definitely part of it, I think, the media for sure. And I think what's key in what you just described is that not only are women simplified in these media roles and as a result in the minds of the audience over time, but also that male characters are simplified, which I think tells men on some level that your goals can be simplistic and might also imply that you are not capable of sustaining nuanced and platonic relationships with women because that's not in the male characters that you see on screen. Because again, in a heteronormative context, I think depictions of women tell heterosexual men how they are to view women, and depictions of men tell men how they are to view themselves, how they are to behave and be in the world. And so I think there are many layers to this issue of simplifying the relationships between men and women. And I'm particularly interested in the nice guy trope that you had mentioned earlier, Because I also think there's a very sinister phenomenon going on there in which men attracted to women think the only reason to be nice to women is for a reciprocated favor somewhere down the line, which is problematic and also bothers me because it reinforces an idea that the only reason to be nice is to receive something in return. And it is great when people acknowledge your kindness, but I would contend that you should not be nice or kind, which I do think are different ideas, with the expectation of reciprocity or reward. And especially if you have a very narrow, limited, and objectifying sense of what that reward may or may not be, you do not control how other people will respond to your kindness. And so saying that you're a nice guy and therefore deserve X, Y, or Z gives a very self-centered view of the world you live in and how people should operate within it. But what thoughts do you have about this nice guy trope? 
I completely agree with you. And I think that unfortunately it can also become really dangerous because though it seems relatively innocent to say, I like this girl, she doesn't like me back. That's a bummer. And of course it is. Of course, unreciprocated love really sucks. But when simplifying it, like a lot of movies and our culture has, it can be dangerous because I don't know if you guys remember, but in, I think it was in 2013, 2014, there was a mass shooting. And before the shooter killed multiple women and himself, he released this manifesto as well as a YouTube video describing how he was always rejected by women and how I'm always so nice to these women. How come they won't reciprocate or how come they won't have sex with me? He kept describing how he sees all of these men who are just horrible and the girls have sex with them, but they don't have sex with him when he is such such a nice guy. And of course, he says that right before he goes and and shoots a few women. That is where it can get super dangerous because it seems like a relatively innocent idea at the beginning, just like the friend zone. I mean, it's almost even a silly term, but because it's so subtle, that is why it can be really dangerous because you don't realize how much it can affect someone's life and how deeply someone can believe that to the point where when it's in the wrong hands, it can be a weapon. And obviously, examples like that can't go ignored because they are intricately linked to what we've been discussing. Even if some might say that's a rare case or a rare example, it does seem built upon this belief that could be corrected, could be discussed in our society. And I think many people would find similar things as we've discussed. Earlier in the conversation, you used specific vernacular to say, she put me in the friend zone. And I think that, as I'm always interested in word choice, says a lot about the belief that some might have in telling you this or in anecdotes you've overheard about quote-unquote friend zone instances because it creates an unfair victimizer-victimized relationship between that man and that woman, suggesting that suddenly he's helpless and she is the cause of his suffering, which is a very dramatic way to say someone made a choice or had a feeling about me that was not congruent with my feelings about them. And obviously, certain examples, as the one you just gave, can escalate to very disturbing behavior. But I think the insinuation of being put in the friend zone removes agency in some ways from both parties. And I think in the instance where someone does not reciprocate your romantic or sexual feelings towards them, you should move on and recognize that was their choice. And also that there are billions of people in the world that you could meet and with whom you should be respectful and clear and towards whom you should show an understanding of their complexity and humanity. But I'd be curious to know what your linguistic reading might be of that word choice. Yeah, so I did choose those words very specifically. Like you mentioned, it suggests that women did this to the man, that this was a situation where she is manipulating him. Very frequently, those who claim they've been put in the friend zone say, she was so nice, she should have liked me, or I was so nice, and she reciprocated those nice feelings. So why is it that she has done this to me? It makes it sound as though the woman has manipulated the man, and he is thus the victim. In the shooter example, he very much considered himself a victim of these women's other sexual exploits, as in it was something that they did to him, and therefore they deserved to get shot. 
in his opinion. But something that I do also want to discuss regarding this is I sometimes feel when I discuss something like this as though I'm pointing fingers at guys and being like, you guys always objectify women. You guys are always doing this to us. And it's just not true because I think one of the reasons why it happens at all is because our culture continues to perpetuate the idea that men cannot be vulnerable. And I think that when they are placed in a vulnerable position, their immediate reaction is anger. So if they perhaps confess their feelings for their friend and she does not reciprocate, then they feel rejected and they feel hurt because vulnerability does not sit right with them or does not sit right with our culture, but because they feel as though they cannot express their vulnerability, it turns into anger and victimization. And I think that that is a major problem. And I'm curious to hear what you think about that and the way that men are perceived in this situation. I think that's absolutely essential in this conversation, and I'm honestly a bit embarrassed that I hadn't thought of it earlier or brought it up because I absolutely agree with you. And I think the idea of male vulnerability, as crazy as that sounds to some, is actually essential in correcting or addressing this issue of the friend zone. Because I suspect if after rejection, a man who was interested in a woman, again, in a heteronormative example, had a conversation with that woman that was not aggressive and did not throw blame, but was merely an open dialogue about improper communication or feelings which were not expressed in the proper way or at the right time, he might learn something before hopefully respectfully walking away and saying, well, I learned something. We had an honest conversation about it. And in the future, I won't act the same way or I won't make the same mistake. And I also think that the idea of lack of male vulnerability leads to other miscommunications, which I have experienced personally because I've often felt more comfortable being vulnerable or sharing personal information or stories. And there have absolutely been signs I have sent unintentionally to women in this case who I think have misinterpreted that in thinking if a guy expresses vulnerability, he wouldn't do so unless it was in a very particular, often romantic or sexualized context which again says something about our culture and it's something I've had to become more aware of so that I don't send incorrect signals. And as with any of the things we've discussed, there are definitely clear, concrete and solid ideas here, but there are also very fluid, complex and difficult concepts that are not as easy to parse out and simply address. And before we close this episode, I'd be very curious to hear what you would like our audience to think about after listening to this conversation. I would like the audience to think about the nuances in our language because terms such as the friend zone and the nice guy and the sad boy are all oversimplifications of a complex whole of a human. So to really think about the way they interact perhaps with another gender or just with people and realizing that other people are not a checklist, other people are not a prize to be won. And having the empathy to understand every person is complex and has their own feelings and be considerate of that. Absolutely. And I would encourage the audience both to think about how women in our culture, in our media are simplified, reduced and objectified, and also how men might experience similar simplification that leads to very problematic, fragmented and unhealthy communication, which again result in issues like those that Chandler and I have been discussing. Because I don't think, as you said, it's a one-sided issue. It's something that as a culture we need to address and I suspect exists beyond our American and Western culture. But that's also something I'd be very curious to hear about from international listeners. 
And finally, I would love to know what listeners who are parents think about what their children have been taught or perhaps what they've been sharing with their children about how men and women are told to interact with one another. And Chandler, I'd like to thank you very much for coming on. It was great to discuss this with you. Thanks for having me. Of course. But as with any discussion we have here, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. Ours are only two voices, and we would really love to hear from you. So please reach out to us. You can connect with us on Twitter or on Facebook. You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to as well as reviewing the show and sharing it with a friend you think might enjoy it or get something out of it. And as always, we thank you very much for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off.